This is the way, and this is or the not. day, or not. This is the day of the Mando Talk Show, the new series to Han Talk's first podcast, which comes out every week on Monday and Wednesdays. Mondays are Mando Mondays, where we talk about last week's episode of The Mandalorian, and every Wednesday is the regular scheduled program where we talk about everything else in Star Wars. So be sure to check that out after you listen to this episode. Now, this is an open spoiler episode, so if you haven't seen Chapter 11 of The Mandalorian, stay away. If you do not give a flying Minoc, then let's get started. I'm Han, and I'm joined again by my friend Dean, and we're going to talk about Chapter 11. Real quick, I wanted to bring this up. It's a bit of old news, but it's about the little baby Yoda controversy. So before we dive into Chapter 11, I want to briefly touch on this, because last week's episode resulted in a little bit of a mixed reaction from people when the child began to gulp down some eggs that belonged to Frog Lady. Apparently, it went so far as to calling for a cancellation of Baby Yoda and John Favreau. Yikes. And the reaction what? actually caused Lucasfilm creative man- art manager uh, Phil Skozak to speak out on the matter. And this is what he said. In what is now a deleted tweet, he said, For the record... Chapter 10 of The Mandalorian makes it clear that the frog lady's eggs are unfertilized, like the chicken eggs many of us enjoy. But obviously, chickens aren't sentient beings, and the child eating the eggs is intentionally disturbing for comedic effect. And then he added in another follow-up tweet, which is now deleted, Fans of horror know that disturbing things make some of us laugh, and some of us squirm. Or both. Your mileage may vary. So... I actually didn't realize there was a controversy about this until my girlfriend informed me. But apparently people flooded Twitter saying, you know, Baby Yoda is evil for eating those eggs. Uh, when I texted you about today's episode, you were like, there's a controversy over that? So you didn't hear about it either, did you? No. And I, I'm struggling up to laugh, and I'm trying to bite my tongue because <laughs> I feel like where my head goes about this is politics. <laughs> On a scale of one to ten baby frog fetuses, how do you rate the stupidity of this controversy? (laughs) It's pointless, isn't it? There's nothing to talk about. It's a a TV show. It's fiction. (laughs) For my audio listeners, me and Dean are just sitting here in silence because we don't know how to react to this. Um, part, part of me is going like in my head is like okay so going to the um the artist like the artwork guy tweets about um the eggs and the chicken who says i know chickens have small brains and that kind of stuff but who says they're not sentient beings um <laughs> who says that humans eat them it, i i don't even know where i'm going with that this i don't know either you're bringing, you should say this for the end because now my mind is blown. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like what? I didn't, I didn't see a big deal with it. Um, honestly, I mean, 
I don't really think it's a major topic of discussion. I mean, cancel culture is very popular right now. And uh, so far, Mandalorian hasn't had anything that people like have hated on. And I think this was the first thing they could pick at. And so that's why it's, you know, why Baby Yoda is being canceled. But first, he's a baby. He's not evil. So people are saying he's evil. He's not evil. He's just a baby. And I kind of agree with what uh, Phil was saying about the whole chicken thing. Yeah. Like, you know, we eat, we eat eggs all the time. I had eggs for breakfast. But <laughs> anyway, I just wanted to bring that up because I, I do find it very interesting because this is a, probably the first cancellation that we've had for the Mandalorian series. And yeah, when it's this I, minute, it kind of shows how how well the show is doing. Yeah, but it's just the fact that people are even complaining about this. It's just kind of like, do you have nothing better to do with your day? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, that that's ridiculous. <laughs> but when it comes to him eating the spider from, you know, a little earlier, that's okay, right? Because he's an evil spider. Yeah, he cracked it out of the egg and ate it immediately. Yep, that's that's uh, premeditated. <laughs> he was after it, but anyway, I mean, I'm sure it will continue to you know be talked about. I, I like, think it's ridiculous. Probably eggs could have been confused for boba, isn't that, that exactly? Was called? Boba, yeah, yep. boba tea. He he could have easily confused that and ate one. Uh, like exactly, he's a baby. He didn't know what those were. The, the spider though, he cracked open an egg and then grabbed it and ate it. Uh, now there is there is an, a, a theory to extend upon this that you know he was eating the eggs to kind of do like that David Blaine David Blaine thing where he he eats it so he could save it in his stomach until it's ready to like because they weren't uh, what did he call it uh, fertilized they were unfertilized so the theory yeah. was he was fertilizing them in his stomach but <laughs> again it's just kind of ridiculous he was just hungry he was a hungry boy and that's that's what he wanted. But okay. anyway, so with that out of the way, I guess we can actually talk about the show now. And yep. so. Let's just go ahead and jump into by starting off with the the direction, because um, it's worth noting this episode was directed by Bryce Dallas Howard, who did two episodes last season. Or one, yeah. she did two. did two. Yeah, I think so as well. Uh, I, I thought she. Like, thought, I think it was, was like the same third one, and then I think was it around the seventh? I think there were four episodes in between. Yeah, I know she did the village, and I don't remember what the other one was, but I think we'll say she did too. Uh, I thought she did a, a good job, uh, considering you know she's still kind of new to directing, like like Dave Filoni, a little bit more experience, but uh, I thought she did great. Uh, This one was definitely a little bit more humorous in some moments. And I wanted to point out one of the homages she put at the beginning of this episode, which was the establishing shot of this, forget the name of the planet they were going to, but the the water planet. And upon entrance of the planet, that shot was supposed to be homage to the shot from Apollo 13 that her father directed um, Ron Howard. And so I thought that was, I just saw that like minutes ago before we hopped on this call, but I thought that was really cool. Um, Was there anything directorial that you thought was kind of interesting or cool? 
Um, the Easter eggs throughout the whole thing. She's yeah, tell me. Very Easter eggs because like um, the writing on the side of the screen during the landing, it was, um, I know it from Elon Musk and the um, his ships. I can't think of their names all of a sudden. So, but it's like, I love you or something like that is one of the names of the ship and the other ship from the old movies. Um, that's what the text was on the right side of the screen or on the left side of the screen while he was landing. Um, and then oh. the, it was kind of a targeting computer also as he was trying to land. It reminded me of the original Death Star TIE fighters trying to lock on Luke's X one. Yeah. As he's this, it's, he, it was like panning around, then he locked on and then it was like, I got it. <laughs> there so was something just in- like, go ahead. Uh, there, there was something interesting about that that landing, which is kind of a, a first that we've seen in Star Wars. You could argue Revenge of the Sith had a similar uh, landing scene, but it, yep. it kind of like reflects that, you know, there's a little bit of real world in there where they have technology that, you know, helps them uh, approaching planets to avoid, you know, crashing and burning and catching on fire and stuff like that. And Manda Mandalorians, the Razor Crest was disabled and, their you know previous wreckage and um so i thought it was cool to kind of see that brought into it uh showing that you know because most of the time you just kind of have to suspend your belief and be like it's star wars everything's made up but little things like that bring in some realism that i kind of enjoy and it was kind of funny when he they fell into the water afterwards and that um the engine boy (laughs) yeah and the uh, Mon Calamari is that what they're called the fish head yeah, guys and the guy's reaction just standing there with like hands on his hips and then he's like shakes his head when they fall in the water I thought it was great he was the comedic relief of the whole thing like when you mentioned there was comedy in this episode to me it didn't really feel like a comedy episode it felt more like a heist it because the village and this one the heiress it felt very similar like that, that directing style was clearly there where it was kind of like it, you knew that this one was going to be a battle the whole time. The only thing that I haven't complained about um, when she's directing these is she seems to get the shortest episodes. <laughs> the village was like 40 minutes. This one was 30. When it um, cut, I was just like, is that it? <laughs> I was like, let's Me go too. see Ahsoka. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I was right there with you. While this one had a lot of kinetic energy it was the shortest one this season and that was one of my biggest yeah. complaints too i think it was the best episode of the season which is why it was so frustrating it was the shortest like yep. the first episode was amazing the second episode was very good but as i said in our last um podcast that um i i overhyped myself like as i mentioned the last last week but this one it was I didn't overhype myself because everything that I wanted to happen last episode kind of happened in this episode, (laughs) kind of. And it was just one of those things of, okay, this is exactly where I wanted to go. And then all of a sudden it was, and there's Ahsoka on this planet. Awesome. We're going to go see Ahsoka right before. And I felt like it was in like how Force Awakens ended and we finally get to see Luke at the end. And then all of a sudden I was expecting that from Ahsoka. I was expecting Mandalorian to kind of be a, quick time jumping type thing where he's on the planet. He's got the baby in his arm now. And then it's Ahsoka sitting there meditating. And then I was expecting cut. That's kind of where my head was at. Yeah. And then it was just 
we're going to open with something similar to that, I believe, because um, the planet that is on is a new planet. But I believe in legends because I don't think it's a canon planet until now. It was the home of um, strong force builders. So she's actually there um, studying the force still, even though she's basically a gray at this point. She's not officially a gray, but she's basically a gray. On the planet that she's on in this show, the one they said, or a, a different yeah. one? The uh, planet that they're going to, it's a new Corvus, planet. right? Um, yeah, it's a new planet, Corvus. but it's supposed to be strong with the force kind of thing. I, God, I hope we get her like in the next episode. Honestly, I think they're going to drag it out, I'm, man. No, they they can't. <laughs> <laughs> I know they they can they should it but I I don't know I really hope she's in the next one, um, but the way this this show is kind of playing out, which which I love, is it feels a lot like a video game, you know, like you have different missions, you have to go to one person that'll take you to another and another. It kind of felt like I was playing like Red Dead Redemption or something, yeah, and you got to find these MacGuffins and it brings you to your ultimate path which i feel like is going to be ahsoka um yeah. it will be because they picked a good actress for the ahsoka yeah i think she's gonna stay in the series at least for this season um i hope so i, I truly believe that it's gonna be finishing up the season and again they brought more of rebels and clone wars back what i really do think what i was telling you about i wish that we did a podcast on this um, that way, everybody could have heard our conversation. Um, <laughs> I really do kind of feel they're kind of getting to that direction. I, I really, I know that it seemed kind of outlandish, far fetched when I was on you over the phone. It, it, everything I said makes sense, but every episode is just leading us more, not the path that I wrote out over our conversation, but it's definitely just the arrow of that conversation that I was telling you, like, this is where I think they're going with it it's still following that. Like it may not be taking the path that I said, but it's still, everything is still right in line to make what I was saying. happen. Yeah. Cause last, last week you were saying how, like when, you know, Mando is in kind of his last stand against those spiders and the, someone comes in to save them. You, your theory was it was going to be the other Mandalorians and that happened this time. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of like you had almost predicted it to happen in the future. So I, I did think of, but once that happened, I was like, Dean loves this moment. Dean's going to love this moment. <laughs> but yeah, I guess you could call what your theory would be is like a Dave Filoni universe in star Wars, yeah. which would be pretty cool. I'd be okay with that. So spe- speaking of the other Mandalorians, we did get uh, introduced to three new ones, which are familiar to us. We had come back into the, Say what? I was about to say three new ones. Those were new. Oh, no, no, for this show. So it was Cosca Reeves, Axe Woves, and most importantly, Bo Katan Kreese. And as soon as they came on screen, my immediately re- immediate reaction, aside from knowing that you were going to love it, was I loved how their armor looked and how it translated to live action. It yep. was brilliant. And it's different and they, than the covert one that the Mandalorian is a part of. Like they're more classic to what we've seen in like Clone Wars and stuff, you know? Yep. It's weird to say um, classic because as we learned in this episode is um, that Mando Din is actually even more classic than they are. Right. Uh, right. 
and basically it's like basically Manda is part of a zealot clan of the Mandalorians. And we kind of knew that, um, but it's just weird to see that um, you have the watch became death watch and basically he's part of death watch. And then Katan, why am I blanking on the name that her, that she named her militia? Are you talking about night owls? Or... Yes, night owl. Okay. Yeah. Night owls is um, the, basically her militia um, or clan or whatever you want to call it when it comes to the Mandalorian culture. Um, and how we just kind of heard them start judging Mando saying, we know you're um, like, we know why you think this way, but this is not the way that we all believe. We all believe that Mandalore is our planet. We all believe in the same end objective. And you could kind of see Mando. Now, this is why I wish the episode was a little bit longer. You could see Mando's perception changing through the episode, but it was so rapid that it didn't quite sit well. I think that's the biggest thing that I didn't like is you don't start out an episode and move that fast and then be your personality be changed somewhat where he is now saying this is the way to them. When originally he was saying you aren't Mandalorians, you took your helmet off. Yeah. Like you don't make that change in a few hours. Like in, in the movie um, verse time, that was only a few hours and he changed his complete perception um, from beginning to end in a few hours, basically. Yeah. Go and, and, Going off of that and bringing back Bryce Dallas Howard, she I think she did a great job in for the audience kind of alienating the uh, Jin Jaren, like as we know him. Because there was what was really strategic from a directorial standpoint is whenever all the Mandalorians were together, he was he was pushed into the back of the group and kind of like a forced perspective thing. And what, you know, he would kind of be the one trailing behind the new guys. He was kind of, he's the main character of the show. But when these new people came in and told him, oh, you're part of this uh, children of the watch, which are a cult, you know, and they broke away from our Mandalorian society. He kind of broke away from uh, being, you kind of feel bad for him, right? Yeah. I mean, I, as soon as that was said, I was like, oh, this, he has no idea. He was born into this. He, he has no idea. You know, he's, he's a victim to this, as you said, religious zealot like society. And he has to find a way to reestablish what is the, I guess, middle ground of this, you know, ancient way of thinking his, this is the way. And then the, I guess what is the modern day Mandalorian? Would you say? It's yeah, I would say I say Katan kind of represents the modern day Mandalorian, um, just because why can't I think of Katan's sister? Um, but regardless, because in the Mandalorian, like on the home world, um, Obi Wan's love interest. I can think of all that detail, but not the name. <laughs> but uh, basically, Sabine, Ren- uh, no, Satine. Sabine, so Satine. That's it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> see, like, it was only the warriors that wore the helmets, but in Mando Zealots, everyone wears a helmet. They're all a faceless, um, basically group. So it's even the kids, the, um, because if you remember in the 
first season, I was like, we have enough to make helmets for younglings now. And it's just kind of like, they're younglings still. <laughs> You're going to throw them in a mask and hide them on that? <laughs> right. Uh, but, for anyone listening, a little recap on who Bo-Katan is. She is yeah. of, the, of Clan Kree's. And she's got quite a history in the Star Wars universe. And she's an important character in both Clone Wars and the Rebels TV series. She was introduced a long time ago in uh, some novel. I didn't read it. I'm not familiar with it. Uh, but she's, she was the leader of the Night Owls, which was an elite Mandalorian unit. She was also a, a lieutenant in the Death Watch, which was terrorist group. And later during the Imperial era, she became the Mandalore, which was the, she was the sole leader of the Mandalorian people, and she once wielded the dark saber, which, as we saw in the end of season one, is now in the hands of Moff Gideon, and she is out for his nuts, man. When she, she, he has it. she, she does, she does not know. He has it. Oh, she because asked, "Does he? Does he know where it is? Where it is? Um, she does not know Moff Gideon has that." And um, oh, so he just said, "Do you know where it is?" That was basically, I know you had it. It was like the Empire. Oh, a general? Oh, I see. Was like, I know the Empire has it. Because, like, she never said, I know Moff Gideon has it. She was trying to get to the ship to basically use the Empire ship to find out more intel. Moff Gideon has the Darksaber, but it's unknown. And that's why Moff Gideon, and I thought it was weird they um, hid Moff Gideon's face from us. And, like, when they first showed him, and it was kind of like, we know exactly who that is. Right, <laughs> <laughs> like, you show like there's pain right. in the act, like the speed. <laughs> I did. I and find then, that interesting too. Like it, it felt like they were trying to make it a mass figure, kind of like when we first saw Palpatine, and we didn't, or not Palpatine, but the Emperor. Uh, before we knew Palpatine was the Emperor in um, Phantom Menace, it kind of felt like that where they were trying to hide the face just enough. Yeah, you knew who it was, but you didn't know who it was, and it was just. But she was just clearly saying that I know the Empire has it. I know that you stole it from me. Now, the question is, how did it get stolen from her? Because it was made clear that she didn't lose a battle. And the only time that you pass over the Darksaber is if you lose a one-on-one battle with another Mandalorian or Darth Maul. Um, so it doesn't have to be a Mandalorian. But she, because she doesn't know who has it, that means it was stolen from her somehow. So that was, that was an interesting takeaway that I had about that. I, I think it was stolen too because her actions are a little uh, reckless considering her character. Because if she lost a battle, I, I think she would, you know, she would stand by that and she would respect the the rules. Uh, but she is being a little reckless, and it, it begs the question: What happened uh, during the purge? Because it's their their society is in shambles because it's just her and two other. Mandalorians right now kind of doing the the grunt work and so it's like what what do you what do you think happened like what what why do you think it's all in disarray right now I honestly feel that um the empire segment of Mandalorians um that we learned about in Rebels um I know that in Rebels we kind of saw them cease to exist but I still feel um Gar Saxton is the leader of that group um, or was the leader of that group. Can't remember the ex- exact outcome and rebels off the top of my head right now. But I feel like they're still around. And I feel like because you don't just go in the entire clan kind of thing. Um, right. Probably right. 
in the higher ranks of the Empire, and they were able to explain everything about the Mandalorian, just the Mandalorians in general. And that's why the Purge was so effective for the Empire. But besides that, when it goes into detail, it's, I hope we get more, either a spinoff or they tell us what happened. Because it's one of those things that it's kind of become a crucial story now. Like before yeah. it was important to the story, but now it's crucial. The more, like at least for Star Wars, like hardcore fans like you and I, we, we need to know more for it to make sense. For my wife, who just kind of watches it to watch it with me, she's like, Oh, that was a good episode. Did you see this? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to touch on the music briefly. Um, when I was dishing out my criticisms earlier, I only had one, which was the length and time. My second and final one is the music. Now I have a huge respect for Ludwig van Gorsen and uh, all of his work, even the work he's written for this episode. My only problem is I, I don't agree with some of the choices he makes. And in this episode in particular, a lot of the music that hit real hard for me was the little moments, little transitional moments, things that didn't really matter to the story that I thought were written the best. But when it came to like big moments that needed to shine and have an impact, like the crash landing of the razor crest, for example, it was just a low humming sound, but there was very fast camera movements, lots of visual effects. And I think it was desperate for a little bit more angst in the music, but Oh, all the music is great, but sometimes I feel like he he's not getting a chance to maybe watch this the 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 shots before he writes the music to that because sometimes it doesn't fit for me. But like he told this is like given the screenplay and say this is what's going on, write the music for it. That's what it and feels I, like to me. I do agree, and I I do like I was happy that you put the music on the outline because some of the music. I, I agree. All of it was still well done. It, it fit with the scenery, but some of the music just didn't feel Star Wars-esque. Like, as well, like, when it was, um, when the Mandalorians were on the outside of the Empire ship, um, before they got inside, and then there were ten of them now, um, <laughs> um, basically, when they were on the outside, it was, um, I, I literally paused it, and I looked at my wife, and I was like, this doesn't sound like Star Wars music. Like, it was, like, kind of like a techno rock type doesn't sound i don't know how to explain yeah. it but when i heard it, i was like it fits the like what's going on big time like i enjoy it for the scene it does kind of feel like something the rock aspect like when i think of a mandalorian army a rock fits with it like i think of like give me some like war driven rock like no uh, no like um lyrics or anything just give me like a good repetitive background rock noise not that right fits with <laughs> like i was like it fits this isn't Star Wars music. Like, I'm not against it, but it's just, it's kind of jarring because we're used to the instrumental, not kind of synthetic. Right. And it, so I was glad that you threw on music, but I didn't really think about the pitches that he was using for like the landing and stuff. It was like the big moments that you were kind of saying where another big moment, it just didn't, it fell out of place because of what we were watching wasn't that it was bad it just fell out of place 
And it might not be his choice. You know, he may not have any involvement with where the music goes. But, or another theory is it could be, you know, he is on to something and it's it's all leading up to something else. Um, or it, it one theory that I'm very convinced of is he just hasn't found exactly what he wants to do in this show yet. I felt that very much in season one. Could be the case in season two. It's definitely a very experimental sound. And I think he's going to continue elaborating on that. But I mean... It's again, it's all fantastic. It's just, it's a little different. Isn't he still reaching out to the young guys who did, um, sorry, pulling up my music on Amazon right now. Oh, the band? Yeah, the band. Isn't isn't he reaching out to them? The ones who did the song for Fallen Order? I think that they're also helping out with all the music is this. You're right. Yeah, I heard that too. They're they're supposed to have some, uh, a good majority uh, help on this one. The Hue, that's who it is. The Hue? They're, they're supposed to be helping from um, what I read at one point. Oh, okay. Well, we got to wrap this up. I, I want to know from you, Dean, what's like, what are you looking forward to most like going forward? It could be next episode. It could be the end of the series, but like, or even what director you want to see most. But tell me about it. It's going to be the fight that we're going to see between Ahsoka and Amanda. Yes. I, I know there's going to be a fight like, and then Ahsoka is still going to be kind of young in this, which is kind of weird because in Rebels, we saw after the Empire fell, she was old, but the actress they hired, they're going to have to do a lot, a lot of aging, but right. still still have an actress that can move for a fight kind of thing. Um, or it, I, I'm just expecting a fight, and that's what I'm looking forward to. I think like because Mando is going to be on his toes because he was told they're evil sorcerers, and then pairing the two up, it's just, I, I'm excited for the fight between the two. I think it's inevitable. <laughs> I, that's one thing I'm looking forward to as well. And I, I think once Ahsoka's brought in, I think that's going to be Dave Filoni's episode because he, he's very close to this, you know, protective of this character. Um, yeah. So that's um, one of the things I'm looking forward to. Most of all is I, I think Robert Rodriguez is directing an episode of this. So I, I can't wait to see which one he does because I don't know everything from Spy Kids to Machete. I am I love Robert Rodriguez, so that's <laughs> the one thing I I'm really kind of eager to see. But yeah, that's it for today, guys. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Let us know what you thought about you know Chapter Eleven and what you think is going to happen going forward. But um, uh, you know me, Han. You can find me on Instagram. Everything. Send in your questions to Han Talks First at Gmail and uh, Dean. Where can people find The Collectionist online? You can find me um, on Twitter at SwitchDean. I'm a video game collector, as I mentioned before, and collect a bunch of Star Wars stuff, as y'all can see as well. Um, And then I just kind of post collections that I find there. Awesome. Well, guys, thanks again for listening. And again, may the Force be with you.